It's Your Life is sponsored by James J.C. Cooley. Life is a series of circles and cycles, phases and stages. These are your experiences that teach you the lessons of life. You can either ignore them or embrace them. Welcome to the James Cooley Show, It's Your Life. James is a motivational speaker, author, military veteran, and founder of the James Cooley Foundation. James is here to equip you to strive for greatness and to overcome adversity. It's time to get equipped today for the challenges of tomorrow. Now, here's the host of It's Your Life, James Cooley. Hello. Welcome to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley, and I... Man, hey, Noah, yesterday, man, I was kind of hurting a little bit, my friend. I was kind of hurting a little bit, but... I'm back. I was worried about you, but things are all in the clear now. You seem to be doing much better. i uh, doing much better. Can you imagine me and Michelle both running around here trying to uh, lift each other up and we crawling? <laughs> well, you guys are great at taking care of each other, so it's all good. I tell you, man, she's great at taking care of me, and uh, I'm just so fortunate to have uh, Michelle Cooley. In case a uh, listener audience, if you didn't know, uh, Michelle Cooley is my co-host she's also my wife she's also i call her my booby <laughs> i mean hey and uh, she is just so wonderful and uh i believe no that we we michelle and i are both like 85 percent tonight well i think that's in part to the great emotional information we got last night from john uh kunahiro and his guest too yeah uh uh, you, you remember, uh, you know what, uh, uh, what, what, it was, uh, Rolene. Rolene Jaffe. Hey, man, you know oh, what, great man? stuff. I, I should have sung the Dolly Porton song, Jolene, Jolene. <laughs> man, I thought about that one. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you remember that song, but I, I do, I do. I love that song. Uh, but, but guess what, my friend? I know. It looks like we have another great show. I was looking at the lineup today and, uh, got the chief on tonight. We got the chief on, man. We got Chief Raphael Godby Jr., a former chief of police of uh, Detroit. And not just that, my man, this guy is so incredible. Uh, he's a leader. He's a man of God, just like you, you and I, we, ah, that, you get brownie points for that. I mean, and, um, I tell you, he's, He's an extraordinary guy that's going to uh, just looks like a real us. servant leader, JC. Not just that, but man, don't you know that this guy was the youngest chief of police in in Detroit history? Oh, wow! <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I don't Impressive. know if you knew that. I mean, and uh, he's just an incredible guy. But uh, man, I, how you been doing, my friend? I know you've been doing live shows all day today. It's been a really big. I mean, every day it's radio. It's uh, it's always very busy. But today was an extraordinarily busy day but you know got some good messages out there and it's been good it's good now now it's time for just a little bit of it's your life it's it's all about it's your life man when when it comes to myself and michelle and our listening audience because you know i try to stay away from the politics as much as i can i just want to talk about the people i want to make the people the lessons of life those are the things that uh unite us my friend and they do, and man, you know what? Lately, we've been getting calls uh, from uh, other globes. <laughs> I mean, I hope I'm talking, about, I'm talking about around the world, and uh, I hope that 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 continues tonight. Uh, you know, so well that just uh, shows you the reach of the show. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, and we want to continue to reach out. We want to continue to bring inspiration. We want to continue to inspire everybody. And if you want to be part of the conversation tonight. That's one eight 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 three four four eleven seven. What what's that number, Michelle? Eight 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 three four four eleven seven. Okay, she done messed it up. All right, one eight 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 three four four eleven seventy. No, you know I had to I had to mess with every now and then, man. I mean, she's just so wonderful. And she, all I can you know, tell you is the next time you mess up that number, she's going to call you out on it. Well, mm-hmm. I, I know uh, you don't call me out on it enough times, so I think I got it. It's imprinted. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just like Star Trek, and it's just like one of those. It's imprinted there. Hey, man, but let's talk about this great guest. Tonight. Let's do it. Wow, man, Michelle, can you just tell our listening audience about 
the purpose of tonight's show? Well, the title of tonight's show is Chief Ralph L. Godby Jr., Detroit's own advocate, leader, and former law enforcement officer. The purpose of the show tonight is to get to know the background of Chief Ralph L. Godby Jr., to learn about his career in law enforcement, learn about the program Operation Legend, learn about his role as Chief of Police of the Detroit Public Schools Community District, and discuss his role as a community advocate, servant leader, and his work in ministry. Wow. You know, uh, I tell you, it's fantastic. Michelle, can you do me a favor? Can you introduce this great guest to our listening audience? Okay. Chief Ralph L. Godby Jr., leading for God and community. People don't care what you know until they know that you care. When you have a people-first servant leader persona, people will go out of their way to reach for the gold. Relationships are key to any successful reform effort. Chief Ralph L. Godby Jr. is a community advocate, a preacher, a servant leader, and yes, a cop. Chief Godby always prefaces his service in law enforcement by saying, I am a black man that happens to be a cop, not a cop that happens to be a black man. Acutely aware of his ability to maneuver in both arenas without compromising his commitment to offering solutions to issues that cause inequitable outcomes in America for black people, he speaks boldly in a way that is undeniably one of seeking justice for black and brown citizens, and particularly when it comes to policing in America and its reform efforts. He began his career at public service at the tender age of 19, a year after graduating from Detroit's Cass Tech High School. He was feted as the top academic performer in his class, top marksman, and such a young age was elected as class president of Detroit Metropolitan Police Academy recruit class of 86-R. Chief Codby rose through the ranks and after 22 years of service was appointed as the Detroit's police department's 40th chief of police at the age of 42 youngest in Detroit police department history. He retired after 25 years of service to the city of Detroit in October of 2012. He has served as an unjunct professor at Wayne County Community College District in the criminal justice department and has sought for his expert opinion on many different media platforms. In 2018 of August, Godby was appointed as chief of police of the Detroit Public Schools Community District, which serves 52,000 students in over 100 schools. The state of Michigan's largest school district and only school district with a fully sworn McCole Certified Police Department. Godby, who has served in ministry since January of 2000, stepped down from his position as chief of police to accept an offer from Pastor Solomon W. Kinlock Jr. of Triumph Church in the metropolitan Detroit area to serve as the church's chief of staff in full-time ministry. Chief Godby is 53 years old, the father, one daughter, and a doting grandfather, and a father-in-law. The James Cooley Show, It's Your Life, proudly presents Chief Ralph L. Godby Jr., how are you doing, Chief? Welcome to the show, my friend. How you doing? Wow, can we just stop now while I'm ahead? That was just amazing. I, I don't even know who that guy is. I'm just a brother from the east side of Detroit. Oh, man. You know, I tell you, sir, uh, we are just thrilled. We are just thrilled to death to have you uh, on the show. And uh, I tell you, I'm going to start this off because... Uh, Chief Garvey, please tell our listening audience where you're from, how was it growing up in the area, and just uh, something that we don't know about uh, Chief Godby. Yes, sir. I was born uh, December 22nd, 1967, uh, a riot baby uh, on the heels of the civil unrest of 1967. My mother was pregnant with me. Uh, in July of 1967, actually on a bus stop on 12th Street uh, when everything jumped off her and my father. Uh, if you could imagine how a mother felt at the time, I think she was 18 or 19, uh, pregnant with me, her hu- new husband, uh, and it was really just a tumultuous uh, time for uh, the city of Detroit. And the irony of that is that I would become a Detroit police officer Uh given the fact that I was uh, conceived and born at a time where Detroit police were not favorable towards black and brown people in the city of Detroit. As a matter of fact, quite brutal. And it led to major reform, uh, led to a a revised charter with citizen oversight. And then after that, uh, selected as as first African-American mayor, uh, the Honorable late Coleman A. Young, uh, who did a marvelous job in... uh, 
making a choice. He's probably a representative of the community to serve and balancing and making sure that uh, the citizens of Detroit were treated with respect by the Detroit Police Department. Uh, I went, I'm a product of Detroit Public Schools, uh, played football in Little League for the Northeast Detroit Shamrocks, uh, played there three years, I played for the Eastside Cowboys, uh, was starting quarterback for three years at Cass Tech. Um, I was actually, and my father's probably still rolling over in his grave, I was accepted, uh, received an appointment to the United States Military Academy, West Point, and I did not go. Because I had this belief that at five foot seven and a half, at 160 pounds, and ran a four three forty, I was going to the NFL. <laughs> well, hey, Chief, hold that thought. Yeah, we got to take us. We got to take a station break. Cause, you know, we got to pay the bills. But if you want to be part of this conversation, that's one eight 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 three four four eleven seven. Again, that's one eight 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 three four four eleven seven. We're gonna take this break, and we're gonna be back shortly and continue to talk with Chief Ralph L. Gosby Jr. It's your life from James Coley. There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley. Hi, I'm James Cooley, host of the James Cooley Show, It's Your Life. And in the new audio version of my book, Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet, you can join me as I share my true life story of struggle and success in America. It's both a cautionary tale and a roadmap to achieving the American dream. Get the new audio version of my book, Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet on Amazon and wherever audio books are sold. The J.C. Cooley Foundation is a nonprofit organization that was started in October of 2014. The J.C. Cooley Foundation continues to strive to expand its programs and offerings to the youth, young adults, and citizens of our great communities nationwide and overseas. We hope that you'll be able to take part in one or more of the many exciting events that we're offering this year and experience firsthand the pride we take in supporting our cause. It's our mission to equip the youth of today for the challenges of tomorrow, and we rely heavily on the generosity of individuals and business owners for support. Without the assistance of community-minded individuals just like you, we wouldn't be able to serve our youth each year. We ask that you make a commitment to support our annual appeal by making a cash donation. This year's goal is $50,000. Your generosity will assist us in making a difference in the lives of the youth in our community. You can give online at CooleyFoundation.org. Remember that every donation makes a difference regardless of size. The J.C. Cooley Foundation thanks you in advance for your contribution. Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet, The True Life Coming of Age Story by James J.C. Cooley. Using humor, wit, and engaging storytelling, James paints a picture about his arrival in a rural deep south town and realization that life would never be the same. Cooley lays out his struggle to adjust from city life to country life and back again, sharing his hard-earned lessons to educate, encourage, and enlighten our next generation of leaders and heroes. Get your copy of Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet by James J.C. Cooley available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. FM 96.1 North County AM 1170 San Diego The Answer It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Now, here's your host, James Cooley. Hello, welcome back to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley, and I tell you, uh, we got Chief Ralph L. Godby Jr., the youngest police chief in Detroit history. And uh, if you want to be part of this conversation, because this, I'm telling you, he gonna, he bringing it. That's one eight 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 three four four eleven seventy. Again, that's one eight 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 three four four eleven seventy. Hey, Chief, we had to go to the break, but uh, you was uh, uh, telling us about. Uh, uh, West Point, and I, I just want you to know that uh, I'm a retired Navy guy, and and <laughs> and I, I didn't, I, I honestly, I did not think that I was smart enough to get in any type of point. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, I tell you, I did retire as a Navy officer, uh, so I, I worked my way up, and uh, it's it's all great, and it's all, I mean. Just understanding who you are, who you are, and understanding that uh, you got potential to 
to do anything that you set your mind to. And you have already proved that. My question to you is, um, who was your role models when you was growing up? My father was uh, my hero. Uh, my dad, I thought he could do anything. Uh, he was my Superman, my Batman, my Iron Man, all rolled into one. And, you know, he and my mother, uh, we come from a, you know, not a, a family of great means, but, you know, worked. And I, I saw my mom and dad go to work every day. Uh, they raised us. You know, I joked that the house we grew up in, it was so small, we had to go outside to split a large pizza. You know, but, uh, oh, you know, but you know, we kept. You know, my my parents taught me to keep such pride in our home. Right? My father had a, had the belief that you know, if God blesses you with something, uh, you be faithful over that. Be faithful over a few things, and I'll make you rule over many. And that's something that stuck with me and my brother. My brother, uh, he has done well for himself. He is a Bishop Ronald L. Godby Senior of the River Church in Durham, North Carolina, uh, 2,000 members and growing and just doing a wonderful job down there. Uh, so I pray to God that my mom and dad are looking down uh, from heaven and they're proud of you know who we've become. Uh, but my dad was the biggest role model. I want to be him so bad. Uh, good, bad, or indifferent. I want to be like my dad. So he's probably the, the greatest influence on um, just who, who I am as a man and an individual uh, as we sit here today. Man, I mean, you, you you said that piece of joke, but I know how that is of uh, being uh, seven or ten kids, <laughs> and and uh, yes, sir. And so I, I know how that is, and I know that uh, you know it it takes uh, the glue, it takes uh, a, a strong foundation, yes, uh, and it also it takes knowing in oneself that if you put the time and effort and you sit back and you watch, you can do anything that you put your mind to. Jeez. And if I say this very quickly, my father, he drilled that into me and my brother. Uh, he would take us on a drive uh, down the street called Jefferson in Detroit. And as it would transition to Lake, um, uh, 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 Lakeside Boulevard, uh, it would be million dollar, two million dollar homes. And my father said, even though you may start here, this is what I expect of you. There's nothing that you can't accomplish. So uh, that, that visioning and modeling meant everything to both of us. Did you, growing up, did you always envision a career in law enforcement? Absolutely not. I had no <laughs> desire to be a police officer. Uh, you know, I thank God for his grace and mercy because I joined for all the wrong reasons at 19 years old. Uh, I went off to Indiana University to play football. I did not like being out of Detroit at all, came back home, uh, enrolled at Wayne State University, and my best friend from high school, he and I, um, and I'm not proud of this, but we were drinking, and on a, on a bet, uh, we we bet each other which one would go and sign up for the police department. And Miami Vice was big at the time, and we were had visions of being Crockett and Tubbs. <laughs> and, you know, next next thing you know, I signed up. Uh, he didn't 22 years later. I'm chief of police. They say, Michelle, they say, if you want to amuse God, you tell him your plan. So it was not my plan, but it was God's plan. And it turned out to be a great career for me. Amen to that. Um, chief, can you describe the, to our listening audience the realities of the life of a police officer? I'm so glad you asked that question. Uh, I do a lot of, a lot of advocacy uh, on behalf of community groups and equity and policing and equality and how uh, communities of color and disenfranchised are treated by the police. But there's another side to that as well. We service a very traumatized community, especially in large urban areas uh, with African-Americans that have not always had the best relationships with police. So um, for me, uh, mental health uh, from the police officer standpoint is something I'm a big advocate of. Um, if you listen to any of the um, hearings today on January 6th, uh, one of the officers spoke of his need for mental health help. And people don't realize the trauma that police officers, they normalize, um, but it's not normal at all. Uh, we have very high rates of divorce, high rates of substance abuse, high rates of domestic violence, 
uh, unfortunately, high rates of suicide uh, because the things that a police officer will see on a day-to-day basis, uh, we tend to normalize, but we don't really have, I think, the infrastructure for continual mental health helps outside of some remarkable tragedy like a 911 or January 6th, the insurrection. Uh, you know, outside of those type of um, remarkable events, uh, police officers, you know, we're taught to suck it up. You know, that's what we do. We go to homicide scenes and we turn it off. Uh, but the reality is you don't really turn it off. Uh, that trauma gets deeply embedded in you. And even some of the acting out we see in officers, uh, I am not one as quick to jump to say it's racism on the officer's behalf. Uh, you have some very traumatized officers as well. And that trauma response under stress, fight, flee, or freeze, uh, for police officers, we train out two of the three. Uh, flee and freeze are not things. And then, uh, James, I know you as a former military person, that's the thing that we train out of. Uh, we, we do everything we can through uh, repetition, through muscle memory, through training, through scenario-based training, to actual events to where the flee and freeze is not really a part of our makeup. All we know how to do is fight. So you take a traumatized police officer on a traffic stop, you think you see a gun. After all those years of trauma, um, sometimes these things end in a tragic way that's not necessarily racist, uh, even though the outcomes tend to not favor black people Overall, but that goes to implicit bias and some other things that we'd have to discuss. Uh, but it's very important that we start to talk about constant mental health help, not only for police officers, but for our military, um, our veterans. Uh, post-traumatic stress is real. Uh, it's devastating on people's lives uh, for the loved ones of the person that's the victim of post-traumatic stress. Uh, so those are things that are very important that the public uh, really would hope would take hold of. We talked about police reform. It's a much more nuanced conversation than that is held in the public square. And Chief Godby, producer Noah here. Uh, love what you've shared so far. Uh, and with what you just said, uh, you know, there has been a lot of negative press regarding the police department. I agree with you. I don't necessarily think all of it is racism. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it's deeper than that. Can you yeah. share with us some more positive aspects of mm-hmm. the daily life of a law enforcement officer? Maybe some things that the people, the general public aren't aware of. Well, Noah, I'm glad you bring that up because we market policing as um, this high flying you know, car chasing, shootout, bang, bang type of job. But the reality is 85% of police work is really community relations. It's interpersonal skills and how you deal with people. Uh, That sensational part that people see on the news, uh, that's a very small part. If you just look at the, the voluminous nature of how many police calls for service are responded to annually. When I was chief in Detroit, we respond to maybe 2 million calls a year. Uh, but the one or two that go sideways, it is so sensational that it makes news. And it's unfortunate uh, that uh, more of the good stories, more of the officers that honor the badge, that do not abuse citizens, that do not engage in uh, unnecessary force, those officers are not feeded more. Uh, but it's unfortunate, but you bring out an excellent point. There are a lot of things that officers do that are not given credit for because they're not the quote-unquote sexy um, bad boys uh, movie type of chases. You know, that's just really not the reality of police work. And to a certain extent, um, Hollywood has done a disservice uh, to showing people what police work is because um, in, in Hollywood movies, you know, an officer killed three or four people in a, in a, in a movie. Uh, when the reality is, even in a city as busy as Detroit, you may not, you can go a whole 25 year career, get a service retirement and never fire your weapon, uh, except for qualification at the gun range. And that's the norm. That is not the, um, exception. Uh, and I, you know, and that, that holds true for many, uh, large cities and small cities across the country. So, um, police officers, uh, firefighters, or public safety uh, contingent, uh, they run to trouble when everyone else runs from trouble. 
Um, in a nuanced way, you know, I've talked about defunding the police. Uh, there are those extremists that say we don't need police, uh, and I would certainly disagree with that. Uh, but we do need to really uh, take a look at how we deploy what do our police officers engage in and things of that nature. So uh, that was an excellent question, Noah. Yeah, I agree. Real quick before James takes us to break, I, I think, because I've had an <laughs> uncle that was in the police department as well many, many years ago, and you brought up exactly what he did and he saw, which was so many of the community-involved things. Yeah. They're, they're not what you would see in Hollywood, so that's not what's put out there in the media, and it's so Absolutely. much good done in the community. It is. It really is. And it's such an opportunity for police officers to be a part of a young person's life uh, that we really need to talk about that much more than the police chases and shootouts. Wow. You know, we're going to talk about that a lot more, but we're going to take a station break. Uh, but, hey, Chief, yes, sir. loving the conversation. Loving it. Loving it. Yes, sir. <laughs> we go, we're going to take a station break, but we're going to come back and continue to have this discussion with Chief Raphael Gosby Jr. It's your life. I'm James Coley. There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley. There is much truth in a journey that ain't over yet, as all of us journey through life's precious gifts of time, just like I have. Hi, I'm James Cooley, host of the James Cooley Show, It's Your Life. And in the new audio version of my book, Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet, you can join me as I share my true life story of struggle and success in America. It's both a caution tale and a roadmap to achieving the American dream. This is a must listen to for anyone who thinks they are stuck in life or need to understand that their current situation is not their final destination. Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet. It's the unfiltered truth to provide hope for the future by challenging you to refuse to become a victim of life's circumstance and dare to be an overcomer because a bigger, better, and a more impactful life awaits you. Get the new audio version of my book, Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet on Amazon and wherever audio books are sold. The J.C. Cooley Foundation continues to strive to expand its programs and offerings to the youth, young adults, and citizens of our great communities nationwide and overseas. It's our mission to equip the youth of today for the challenges of tomorrow. We ask that you make a commitment to support our annual appeal by making a cash donation. Your generosity will assist us in making a difference in the lives of the youth in our community. You can give online at CooleyFoundation.org. The J.C. Cooley Foundation thanks you in advance for your contribution. Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet, The True Life Coming of Age Story by James J.C. Cooley. Using humor, wit, and engaging storytelling, James paints a picture about his arrival in a rural deep south town and realization that life would never be the same. Cooley lays out his struggle to adjust from city life to country life and back again, sharing his hard-earned lessons to educate, encourage, and enlighten our next generation of leaders and heroes. Get your copy of Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet by James J.C. Cooley available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. The Answer, San Diego. Streaming now on smart speakers and odyssey.com. It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Now, here's your host, James Cooley. Hello, welcome back to It's Your Life. And I tell you, we got Chief Gosby. And uh, I tell you, this guy is bringing it. I mean, what I'm trying to say is that uh, he's so knowledgeable, he's so honest, upfront, and uh, just like he said, uh, you know, people sometimes make mistakes. Police make mistakes. Everybody make mistakes. But you don't throw everybody, and we call it throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I mean, because uh, uh, it ain't always like we think it is. And, uh, Chief, I, I really appreciate you sharing that, that moment with our listeners uh, that, uh, hey, sometimes uh, reaction, sometimes this, and sometimes life, uh, your own, others depend on the decisions that we make. You yeah, know, absolutely. Absolutely. Chief, can you tell us about your role as chief of police of, of Detroit and also about the public school community districts. Uh, I know that's two in one. 
No, those are uh, very good questions. Uh, first, uh, being chief of a major city, it is a very different animal. <laughs> uh, and you never really understand until you sit in that seat. I was forced to ascend through the ranks, uh, through every rank. And when I was assistant chief uh, under two different chiefs, when I was the second in charge, uh, you really think you get it until the buck literally stops with you. And just to be accountable for uh, the actions of, at the time when I was with the department, close to 3,500 officers, or maybe another four or 500 um, civilians. And uh, at any given time in the city of Detroit, um, 700,000 residents, uh, but with our sports venues and everything, about a million people, uh, it is quite a massive undertaking. At a, a half a billion dollar budget, uh, so, you know, when you look at it that at, like that, chiefs of police of major cities, uh, you're the CEO of a, of a corporation. And the, what I found is the business side of the police department uh, was much more um, what I had to do on a day-to-day basis. Uh, the discipline, the labor contracts, um, the procurement of different goods and services that the department needed uh, to carry out its functions. Uh, when I was chief at Detroit Public Schools, uh, that was a much different kind of policing uh, because it was not that the kids or the young people were bad, uh, but it was making sure that they had a pristine learning environment uh, that could not be penetrated by the outside. And it's a balancing act uh, because you think about a, a policing in schools uh, in, a, in a perfect world, um, if I did my job correctly, uh, my job was for us not to be in the schools at all uh, because those are resources that go towards counselors, uh, mental health helps, a number of different things that um, children in urban school districts uh, are not funded at an equitable level, and they come from some circumstances that are not as fortunate as others. Uh, What I found, uh, 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 Mr. and Mrs. Cooley, what I found very quickly uh, was the circumstances that some of our young people have to go through just to get to school, uh, maybe not having running water or um, utilities, uh, nowhere to wash their clothes so they get to school, they get bullied because of how they smell. Uh, we had teachers that were innovative that um, would set up a washer and dryer at the school and assist those kids, those young people uh, to take away that stigma and that bullying. So, um, in large urban areas, we really have to talk about uh, uh, equity and how dollars are distributed uh, to make sure that there's equality and equity in our educational systems. Because uh, there are some young people that are not getting the same level and quality of education as others. And I think that's a, that's a sin and a shame uh, in 2021 in the United States of America. Wow. <laughs> Man, so elo- eloquently put. Uh, Chief, can you tell us about Operation Legend, the program by the Department of Justice that uh, I believe will replace more federal officers on the streets of Detroit? Can can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Well, Operation Legend, uh, it was born, unfortunately, out of tragedy. Uh, A young child, four years old, in Kansas City, Missouri, I want to say in July of 2020, uh, victim of gun violence, uh, Legend Talaferro. Uh, was a young child's name who was deceased. Uh, on the heels of that, the Trump administration and the Bar Justice Department uh, wanted to infuse some federal resources into various cities that were having upticks in major violent crime, uh, Detroit being one of them. Uh, our former chief who just retired, James Craig, um, was chief at the time. Uh, now, Operation Legend is not in effect now um, in the, under the... Um, uh, Merrick Garland Justice Department. Uh, however, uh, it did lend uh, uh, quite a few federal resources from the FBI, Department of Justice, uh, for the various U.S. Attorney's Office, the, F, um, the uh, ATF, uh, the DEA, uh, with a very intense scrutiny on those that um, were wanted for crimes that could be federal or violent crime. Uh, there were thousands of arrests made uh, in conjunction with that operation. That's across the span of the cities uh, that they were in. Uh, and those types of enforcement efforts um, 
are are not unique, unfortunately, uh, but this one was named um, in honor of um, and just to bring attention to the senseless nature of Legend Telefero uh, being killed as a four-year-old. And, you know, we really have to have tough conversations about uh, gun violence and uh, some of the things that contribute to that. And I would suggest um, respectfully uh, that more police, uh, that's a temporary solution, that's a tactical solution, um, because the thing about crime suppression, if you were to imagine a sponge in your hand and you squeeze that sponge, you're suppressing it. But as soon as you open your hand, it expands back to what it was previously. And that's why I'm not a fan of crime suppression strategies where you just flood the streets with police officers in arrest. Because if you don't fundamentally touch on the uh, systemic issues that are contributors to crime, high illiteracy rates, high poverty rates, um, uh, poor health outcomes, uh, lack of access to mental health facilities, a lot of these issues of poverty turn into crime issues. And if we don't hit them at the root causes, uh, and we just flood the streets with police officers deal with it, uh, you're just going to have a, a cyclical nature to the crime problem. Uh, so that's a part of my advocacy now. Uh, I'm not anti-police by any means, but I am very, very much um, a, a, an advocate for citizens relative to abuse and abuse of force. Uh, I'm anti-abuse. Um, uh, 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 but also, I'm very, very um, deliberate in talking about uh, root causes, particularly. That's why I, I use the term, uh, I'm not a, a, a cop that happens to be a black man. I'm a black man that happens to be a cop. Because so I'm acutely aware, coming from where I came from, on the east side of Detroit, uh, in a lower middle class to just above um, the poverty uh, neighborhood, uh, the challenges that come with those lacks of resources in urban areas. Uh, and when you look at competing areas that are very well-funded, schools are well-funded, uh, I'll say this very quickly, uh, and, and, and I think you all can agree because you live in one of the most beautiful cities in the United States of America. Uh, what makes you feel safe in the community is not when you see tons of police officers. As a matter of fact, it has the opposite effect. It makes you wonder what's going on. Why do you need so many cops there? Why are all these lights and sirens going off? What makes a person feel comfortable and safe in a community is manicured lawns, a housing stock that is very well kept up, people um, walking down the streets, jogging and, and, and going to recreation areas that are not overtaken with graffiti and the grass is not higher than a small child. Uh, you're not walking past abandoned homes in blight. Um, when those things are aesthetically in place. That's what brings comfort to people in a community, not the presence of a lot of police officers. That's not to minimize the role of police in America. However, police have become the um, Swiss army knife of everything that is wrong in America. And that's why we unfortunately end up in positions and defending the indefensible because we're doing things we're not qualified to do. Wow. Wow. I mean, Everything you said is on point and I can't wait to get back after the break. We got to take a station break right now, but we're going to come back and continue our great conversation with Chief Raphael Godfrey Jr. It's your life. I'm James Cole. There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley. The J.C. Cooley Foundation is a nonprofit organization that was started in October of 2014. The J.C. Cooley Foundation continues to strive to expand its programs and offerings to the youth, young adults, and citizens of our great communities nationwide and overseas. We hope that you'll be able to take part in one or more of the many exciting events that we're offering this year and experience firsthand the pride we take in supporting our cause. It's our mission to equip the youth of today for the challenges of tomorrow, and we rely heavily on the generosity 
community of individuals and business owners for support. Without the assistance of community-minded individuals just like you, we wouldn't be able to serve our youth each year. We ask that you make a commitment to support our annual appeal by making a cash donation. This year's goal is $50,000. Your generosity will assist us in making a difference in the lives of the youth in our community. You can give online at CooleyFoundation.org. Remember that every donation makes a difference regardless of size. The J.C. Cooley Foundation thanks you in advance for your contribution. Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet. The true life coming of age story by James J.C. Cooley. Using humor, wit, and engaging storytelling, James paints a picture about his arrival in a rural deep south town and realization that life would never be the same. Cooley lays out his struggle to adjust from city life to country life and back again, sharing his hard-earned lessons to educate, encourage, and enlighten our next generation of leaders and heroes. Get your copy of Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet by James J.C. Cooley available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. Streaming now at TheAnswerSanDiego.com and Odyssey.com. It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Now here's your host, James Cooley. Welcome back to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley. Now we got Chief Godsby and Noah Man. I tell you, this guy, is really telling it like it is. Not only is he telling it like it is, not only is he bringing it, but he is really just highlighting, in my mind, what it legitimately means to be a police officer. I think a lot of people don't know all the the entire spectrum of what it takes. And I tell you, they probably don't, but after listening to the show tonight, I think they're going to get a clear understanding <laughs> you know uh and uh man I'm just, I'm just so happy uh that this guy came on Noah and uh we need to get him back on again oh this is uh, definitely a uh, part <laughs> 2 and and beyond so we can expect or talk about many of the different aspects excuse me because there's just a wealth of knowledge that he's laying down absolutely I love absolutely absolutely well chief godby i'm uh just tremendously excited that you're sharing with us some of your 25 years of law enforcement here on the show. So in that 25 years, and not just when you were chief of police, but you know the entire gamut from when you started to when you retired, what was the most rewarding experience in your service? And why would you say that's a highlight? Wow, that, that is a, a great question, Noah. Uh, and actually, it's closer to 35 years, believe it or not. <laughs> Uh, I was 25 with Detroit and then, uh, oh, gotcha. Okay. But, uh, but, 20, but Detroit is the uh, police department that really gave my frame of mind in policing. And I would have to say that the amount of times that I've run across citizens that instill that I, I, I will not know that person from Adam and they'll say, chief, you may not remember this, but when you were a lieutenant and you did ABC, and it changed my child's life. Um, those are the kind of things that are so rewarding. Uh, the people stories, uh, the people you encounter, people that you're able to help, um, and particularly young people that I was have I've had an opportunity uh, to mentor and give them a different appreciation uh, for what it means to meet a police officer. Because unfortunately, Noah, a lot of times, in particularly urban areas. Uh, the only time young people see the police is on a traffic stop, and their parents are happy are not happy with that. Um, making an arrest or you know doing some type of enforcement in the community, and we have to be intentional in making opportunities for young people to have experiences with police officers in a non-adversarial way. And I really tried to pride myself as a police leader uh, in making sure that, that was a part of um, the ethos of our department. Um, Wherever, whatever unit I worked in, whatever section I worked in, and eventually becoming a chief of police, uh, that was very important to me. Uh, it's just having a, 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 an impact and, and being felt as a part of the community and not just a group that was um, policing the community. Well, I'll tell you, as a single father, I mean, my kids are in their 20s now, but the importance of a positive role model or a positive hero in society. I just personally want to thank you for your give back to the community, even though it wasn't here in California. To me, that doesn't matter. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you. 
wow. but you know, I, I, I wouldn't mind getting some freaking flyer miles. So if I could have an impact in San Diego, I'll come. <laughs> That'd be great, man. We'd love you here. <laughs> hey, Chief, if you if you if you come into San Diego anytime, you let me know and. And no, you you think we can we can we can get him on the show? We it's already a done deal. We can get him in studio. We can get him in studio live. <laughs> I, I will, I, and that's that's a deal. And I'm a man of my word. We're gonna make. Hey, that and I'm a man of my word. And my, you talking to my great producer who make things happen. So let's no, I think I think we got a call on on the line. Yeah, we do. Freddie wants to chime in. He's got a question or a comment for the chief. Okay, Freddie, you're up. Hi, chief. How you do? How you doing, chief? I'm doing well. How are you, Freddie? I'm doing real well, uh, you know, because, well, I have positive uh, role models, my mom and dad, but one of the biggest impacts on me was uh, this policeman, because uh, we had, it's a, at the Wind Joe Oaks Boys Club, there was a bunch of black and brown kids, and this white police officer, he taught boxing. And so, after, you know, uh, we worked out and everything like that, well, he even talked with us and everything. And wow. so, it made, yeah, it, it made a big impact, a real big impact. And uh, you write about uh, the only thing that always come across with uh, negative, and mm-hmm. um, and I like to hear some of the nice things uh, that uh, go on. I remember this uh, on the news. It was this one guy. He was in a wheelchair and looked like he was having a lot of trouble. So yes. this cop popped his car, and then he asked him, he said, well, where do you live? And he told him it was a mile away and it was hot and this guy was old. So he pushed him all the way home and then he walked out oh, wow. the car. More things like that should come out yes, in the sir. news instead of uh, a, a dirty cop or somebody getting shot or anything like that. It's so Absolutely. many things that positive that the police officers or policemen do, but they don't get enough credit. I'm talking credit. Wow. You're absolutely right, Freddie. Uh, so you got a question uh, for this great man right, right now? Freddie. Who, me? Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Wait, wait, no, no. That's your observation, Freddie. Wait, earlier about being bullied. Okay, I've been bullied because... Um, you know, raggedy clothes, uh, the oldest of eight kids and stuff like that. So, uh, like you knew before, like, uh, my literacy went down because I was always being bullied. And so yes. he's right about, um, you know, there is different reason why they have a problem in the inner cities. Yes. And Freddie, you made a very astute point and I hope people didn't miss it. Uh, and I had a similar experience. I was on the safety patrol in elementary school. And when I was uh, to be the safety patrol captain, uh, one of our police officers from the city of Detroit led the safety patrol camp. And he became a big role model for me as a white male. And um, I, when I became chief of police, uh, God bless him, he was still alive and working in the city of Detroit. And he could not have been more proud uh, of my achievement. Uh, so mm. it's very important to have those relations. So thank you for pointing that out, Freddie. Oh, you're quite welcome, and thank you for your service. Thank you, sir. Hey, thanks so much, Freddie, man. It's always a pleasure having uh, you you call in. Hey, Chief, um, you are a people servant uh, person first. Can can you tell our listening audience a little bit about some of the things that you, I mean, you're, you're, you're a professor, uh, you in the community, you are an advocate of making sure that uh, everybody is taken care and they have the right person or persons to go to in case they have a problem. Um, can you tell our listening audience a little bit about some of those things that you're doing? Well, right now, uh, I serve as chief of staff at Triumph Church. Uh, and I'm so blessed to serve under a tremendous servant leader, Solomon W. Kenlock Jr. Uh, Triumph Church is a 35,000 member church, uh, with about seven campuses, uh, probably about 14 services a week. But that's not the dynamism of Triumph. Um, we give to our community. Um, during the pandemic, um, Pastor Kenlock I uh, was able to get the people to pony up a million dollars. Uh, we got tablets and hotspots for young people uh, in Detroit because we realized that the digital divide uh, was going to be a huge issue with schools closed during the pandemic, uh, feeding uh, thousands of families a week uh, since the pandemic started, um, having meals at every service that we host so people can eat at no charge. Um, it is just 
uh, it was such a tremendous pleasure to be a part of a ministry uh, and help, you know, carry that mantle of leadership into the community. And really, I mean, we've given people brand new cars, um, a, a paid mortgages, uh, you name it. And it is, you know, the church has a reputation of take, 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 you know. Um, but to be a part of a church that just gives, 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 uh, and we did so even the more during the pandemic. Uh, that's what I live for is, is to serve people, but to do it, um, with a lifelong friend, um, and to be able to just impact people's lives in a different way. I'm just at a point in my life where I don't want to take people to jail. I, uh, you know, I, I don't want to do that. Uh, I want to be able to do those things that Christ modeled for us. Said I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was outdoors. You didn't take me in. I was sick. And you didn't come visit me. And I was in jail and you didn't come see about me. And the disciples asked, when do we see you like this? And Jesus said, in as much you've done this unto the least of these. So we really specialize in looking out for the least man and left out, the left over and the marginalized. And that's what I want to spend the rest of my life doing. Wow. You know, uh, I tell you, Chief, we're down to the last minute and many seconds of the show. Uh, real quickly, if someone just like, we touch here. If somebody wanted to reach out to you real quickly and get in touch with you, can you tell them real quickly, 30 seconds, how they can do that? They can get on Instagram at Chief Ralph Godby or Facebook. I have three Facebook pages. Send me a direct message, uh, Ralph uh, Lloyd Godby Jr. or on Twitter at Chief Godby. Wow. Noah, man. Uh, I'll tell you, not only do we need him on another show here, I need to get him on my show because this is a brilliant man. (laughs) Hey, you know, I was going to tell him about that one, but uh, uh, Noah got his own show as well, Chief. Uh, Please, this guy is a great man. I want want to have you back within a month, if possible. It it, will be my pleasure. (laughs) Within a month because uh, it's it's so much that we need to talk about that we did not get to. Hey, Chief. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. One month, one month, one month. <laughs> uh, I'd like to thank my great co-host, Michelle Cooley, who's always here. I'd like to thank my great producer, Noah Dingley. Uh, most importantly, I'd like to thank our listening audience for taking the time to listen every night. And uh, we're always looking for sponsors so we can continue to bring this great message to you. We'll be back tomorrow. Same time, same place. It's your life. I'm James Cooley. See you tomorrow. Thanks for joining us for It's Your Life with James Cooley. To learn more about James, how you can support the show, or become a guest, visit CooleyFoundation.org. Join James weekdays at this same time for more motivation and inspiration to help you become equipped today for the challenges of tomorrow. This has been The James Cooley Show. It's your life, where you learn how to dream big, think big, and be big at everything that you do. It's Your Life is sponsored by James J.C. Cooley.